Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Jaded 80s Baby Podcast. This week, we're focusing on increasing those sales numbers. If you're a business or you're working in a sales department in somebody else's business, whatever, this is the episode for you. Sales consultant and fellow podcaster Tizer Evans is stopping by to share a few of the tips that have made him so productive and successful in sales. So that's enough for me. Let's get to it. You're now listening to the Jaded 80s Baby Podcast. Your home for candid conversations with industry leaders, tastemakers, and random backpackers from around the globe. You might learn something. You might cringe, but you'll definitely be entertained. Here's your host, the original jaded 80s baby himself, Derek Pfeiffer. You are pretty much the go-to guy from everything I read on your website and your in your bio. You're a go-to guy when it comes to sales. So can you tell everyone, uh, give everyone a brief overview of your background and some of your accomplishments? Yeah. Hey, I just want to first say thanks, Derek, for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah. So I've been in sales a long time for a long time. Well, I guess it feels like a long time. If you're in sales, I mean, a year can feel like a long time. But, uh, you know, I, I got into sales back when I was in college. I worked in the surf industry in San Diego. And, you know, kind of just retail sales. And I just, I've always enjoyed people. I was in speech and debate and, and stuff like that in high school and ASV vice president. So I've always enjoyed being around people and leading people. And I got promoted several times there at the surf shop and uh, got into some management roles and stuff like that. And ended up running a pretty big operation at 23. As I graduated college, I realized I had to get into the corporate world and kind of the same trajectory. I went to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, got promoted several times, um, working there a couple of years and then jumped into insurance and uh, went on to be an agent, a broker, uh, ended up getting moved all around California to help fix sales teams, eventually left to Georgia, um, where I got into helping businesses and brokers set up medical insurance for their small businesses, two to 500 employees. And there um, was nationally recognized um, as a top 10 nationally uh, producer, uh, ended up being number one. I was the fastest person to ever get promoted to that company, came to Houston. And again, I was asked to turn around and fix a sales team, uh, which I did last year. We were up eight figures and um, and grew 65% in the midst of COVID. So that's uh, the, the short the short end of uh, a long journey. Yeah. So I, I uh, heard you mention enterprise in there. And that was something that I looked at coming out of college there, what their yeah. management trainee program, I think. That was me, man. Yeah, I thought I thought about doing it for a hot second, but for me, this is going to lead into my next question. I've always felt like, you know what, I, I couldn't sell sell water in hell, you know, <laughs> like, 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 oh, just terrible. It, that's honestly my my take on it. So my question for you is: Is sales just something that either you have it or you don't? It's like you got the gift of gab or you don't. Well. It, that's a that's a really good question that not enough people ask, to be honest with you. And it's a combo. I mean, there are definitely people, I feel like I'm one of them, that I'm just, uh, people have always naturally felt comfortable talking to me, which is why it's so easy you know, to do podcasting and whatnot. Um, but there's definitely skill sets and things that you want to work on. And so I've seen, I always use my best friend since I was a kid. He's in sales um, as well. He actually is in financial services. The guy crushes absolutely crushes. And I was joke. I was telling him, like, dude, you're terrible, but I don't know if it's your size or your persistence. Cause he's six, six, like two eighty. He was an O lineman at Arkansas state. And, um, you know, and, and he's gotten a lot better now, but he's one of those guys. He's very monotone, 
but he puts in the work, right? And he, and he has diligent follow-up systems. He does all of the fundamentals that people like me, I could just rely on my personality and close. Now, what you want to do is get to the point where you have both those skill sets combined, where you're, you're disciplined, you, you set up sales sequencing, uh, you're into follow-ups, you're hitting them from different levels, um, different entry points, and people like you, right? Yeah. So I think, it's a, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Does sales boil down to, to somewhat of a numbers game in the in the respect that if you throw enough stuff against the wall, some mistakes, so you keep on driving up your numbers? Or is it you can actually function at a high level if you're just, you know what, I'm going to just focus on a, a few, but just do do the, those few really well? Yeah, another great, man, you're, Derek, you're already worth uh, five minutes into this. You're, you're bringing some fire questions, dude. Um, so, yeah. So again, you know, it, it's going to depend on, uh, it's going to depend on your vertical that you sell in. You know, sometimes you might be in a situation where, yeah, you've got 15 or 20 key accounts and you're, that's it. You're not going to be omnipresent. You're going to dive deep into those accounts. You're going to have an, the org chart completely um, figured out of who's who. And you're going to be, you know, figuring out who's a de- decision maker versus an influencer and working through the organization like that. And that's going to make sense for some verticals. Now, if you're in B2C, you're selling cell phones or just car insurance, right? Like you want to be omnipresent. You want to be anywhere and everywhere all the time. And that's kind of what I've done um, and how I was able to fix this market in Houston so quickly is that I just established what markets are we lacking in, but we have great rate play. You know, where would be people be most receptive to us? Hit those markets all at once, um, ramp up, you know, scaling our hiring and whatnot. So it's really just going to depend on, on your niche and what you're doing. Um, but I'm to that point, though, I'm always of the adage that you never have a sales problem. You always have a pipeline problem, right? The pipe is life. So even if you're, you're, you're very concentrated in your vertical, it's still important to do your due diligence and figure out the who's who uh, with inside of an organization. Yeah. Speaking of the pipeline, uh, I've been seeing a lot. I've seen a lot actually pop up on my Instagram feed lately with people selling these things about uh, sales funnels, things like mm-hmm. that, helping you increase the traffic in your sales funnel or something. Can, can you explain the sales funnel in a digestible bite-sized way, I guess? Yeah. So a funnel, it's not something that we use. It's more of a marketing tactic to, to be honest with you. You know, what really what I specialize is in like, how do you get around the gatekeeper? You know, how do you get to a C-level executive? Those are things that uh, I'm skilled and proficient at, but I, I owned an e-commerce business uh, for a while that I sold. So I, I am familiar with funnels. So a funnel is basically almost like a landing page where it's just going to be boom. Like here's, uh, you know, here's probably where you're at here's where you want to be. And here's how my product can help you get there. And if you're interested, you know, put down your email and we'll send you info or it's just like, Hey, maybe I'm a sales guy. Right. And I'm trying to uh, find uh, guys that I can coach. And so say like, you know, here's where I started. Here's where I'm at now. It could be me, you know, me driving my Range Rover or whatever. Here's my free ebook. that will help you get to where I'm at give me your info. And then, and then they're in the funnel, right? So then that's when you start the email campaign of hitting them until you basically get them to purchase multiple ticket items uh, with inside of the funnel. So I've got a friend who's actually running and running a, what do you call it? I guess an e-course, you know, it's an e-course. Mm-hmm. 
And we were actually having this discussion the other day. We were talking about, well, how much free content, how much of the stuff like the ebook in your example, how much of that do you actually give away before you start asking for money? If you based it on, let's say, a percentage out of 100, what percent do you actually give away before you start asking for money? Yeah, not very much. You know, I you want to have like one or two, three, maybe lead magnets, you know, depending on how many different funnels you're running. And you could use the same magnet, just, you know, design the funnel to be a little bit different with different verbiage, kind of like A-B split testing, right? So yeah, that's what you see a lot of authors like Grant Cardone's famous for it. He's got like five books he offers for free. Everything else you got to buy. You know, um, you see that a lot now with a lot of guys. Brendan Kane, I bought his book for free. You know, Ed Milet might send his book out for free. So that's usually like an entry point. But usually, but then it's then it's like a sequence, right? So then, oh, well, you got my free book, but then you can get my course for $47. Or you can join my mastermind class for $997, $1,000. Or you can have one-on-one coaching with me, you know, over the course of the next six months for 10 grand. So they'll definitely have different sequences, but the free prop is usually to get you in the funnel. So then they can start to scale you up and get more bought into their brand and have you spend more money with them. Okay. So let's dig back into your experience in sales since that's your wheelhouse, right? Can you walk walk us through your first big sale? Okay. So what was the issue that you came across? <clears throat> How'd you go about recognizing that you had an issue and what'd you do to fix it? Um, well, you know, I've sold a lot of different things, but I would say that I, I landed a, I landed a really big client. Um, and it was this guy out in Georgia and, um, I had, I had hit him a few times and we chatted and then he ghosted me. And, um, I, so I did my due diligence, you know, went to his website, found out who his team was, hit some other team members, had good conversations with them. Then I knew that they were putting in a word for me on the side. And over the course of a year, I ended up I ended up calling this guy 17 times. I probably emailed him 25 times. I met with his business partner. I talked, and that was just me calling him. Now I probably put in another 25 calls to people within his team, within his organization. Um, eventually, landed a meeting. It was uh, 13 months later from the first time I'd ever tried to contact him. Landed the meeting. The meeting went really well. Met for an hour and a half, um, and then went on to, he gave me a shot at writing uh, a group, you know, because he represented several small businesses all over the country. And that led to uh, $3 million in uh, revenue. Yeah. See that, that right there, you mentioned something in there. I think you said you called them like 25 times or something like that. Mm-hmm. How important is that to being successful? Like not being afraid of saying no or not, you know, just the, the willingness to keep on attacking a, a situation. Well, yeah, you got to have some thick skin, you know, and that's why a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't make it in sales. They like the idea of it because it's really, you can be, you know, uh, kind of like you are an entrepreneur or entrepreneur, if you're working for a big company, right? You're in control of your own destiny, your paycheck, if you, if you write with the right company or the right type of comp plan. Um, And, and I just, I just built like a kind of calloused myself and I look for small wins. Um, But yeah, I mean, most people don't realize most average salespeople, they follow up less than three times. The average salesperson follows up less than three times. And that's why most salespeople, they, they, it's always the grass is always greener. You see them job hopping mm-hmm. is because they don't give it enough time and enough effort, enough discipline to help that one person um, or to go after that one person. So that really takes away from a lot of people. So I said, the average salesperson follows up less than three times, but statistically it takes 
five to 12 prospecting calls and emails to reach your prospect for the first time. Then it takes an additional five to eight touches to get them to buy. So you might be 20 touches in before they ever buy from you. And then remember, so you got 20, right? Before they might ever buy from you, an average salesperson falls up three times. So if you're not doing that, like you, sh- you shouldn't be doing, you shouldn't be in sales. I was thinking about those numbers that you just gave. And I think about how many times I see the same name pop up in my <laughs> in my inbox trying to sell me something, like just trying to get me to sign up for something. And the majority of the time I ignore it. But then, yeah, eventually I'll say, you know what, damn it. Let me just take a look and see yeah, what right. the hell this guy Exactly. Is. Maybe he's good. He keeps on messaging me trying to get me to look at it. Let me just take a look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that makes some sense there. All right. Um, is there is there a, a deal that you really wanted to get that you just couldn't quite close? No matter how much you tried, you just couldn't quite close. Can you think of a deal that, where that happened to you and what went wrong and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I've been so there's a, there's a general what we call a general agency, and it's not like a deal, but you want to get them onboarded right to start giving you opportunities, and they kind of the deals flow from there. And some of these in, in our realm of wheelhouse, they may represent say a thousand businesses, right? So, and most brokers, um, a broker that has a block of business, a lot of times they're going to have like a good broker have fifty to hundred businesses they represent. So hitting one, what we call a general agency, they work with uh, 50 to hundred brokers. And then those brokers all have groups. So if you can hit this one agency, right, then you get exposed to all the people that work underneath them and all those groups, which it can lead to 10, 15, 20 million, $30 million for the business. And, um, and I went and met with them. I thought the meeting went great. Boom, ghosted me. It took me another year to set another meeting and, and so I got them on board, got them all signed up. We did several webinars and still nothing. And, and I'm, st- I'm still, I'm still going after them and I'm still battling right now. And it's been over two years because I'm trying to crack the code going, okay, I, I, it's my fault, right? I haven't given them enough reason. I haven't shown them enough value or insight for them to trust me to move forward. Uh, and you're going to, and so that's, that's been a really tough, frustrating deal because they're like five miles on the road for me. And they've got millions of dollars with a business on the books. I just haven't been able to crack yet. So that's one recently. Is that always the approach that you take when you, when let's say it's not working out, it's my fault? Yeah, hundred percent, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I own everything in my life. Everything is my, I get into a car accident. Someone rear ends me. It's my fault. Damn. You know, even a rear um, end. Jeez. It's, you know, because I could have left earlier. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, and, and this is what we're trying to, we, we see more and more in society um, is just that people, would rather bathe in their victimhood than own the accountability of everything in their life. You know, I tell people, I said this in my morning meeting this morning, so that some guys were fucking off last week because I was on vacation and they wanted to watch March Madness, which is cool. I'm all about that. You know, I love basketball, but I, you know, it's just like, you're a product of the decisions you've made thus far in your life. And you have to accept that because you've made small incremental decisions or you've developed habits that have either put you where you want to be in life or they've held you back for you want to be in life. And it's easy for people to say, well, you know, I had a rough childhood or had this happen or had this happen or had this happen. And if you can validate that and use those as crutches, then you're never going to get to really where you want to be. So now those, those groups that you were mentioning, that's through your consulting service, right? No, so that's uh, no, that is through um, I work for a fortune 100 company uh-huh. so it's through there. So, it's, but you also run a consulting service on the side. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that and the services that you provide? 
Sure. So it's just, um, you know, a lot of people would hit me up on Instagram um, and say, hey, man, like I need help, you know, closing this deal. Can you give me advice? And I, you know, I don't mind giving out free advice, but it was like happening a lot. And so I was like, well, I can, you know, I'm a hustler, you know, uh, I'll put it out there and, you know, have developed a website where people can come, they can work with me one-on-one. And then I saw too, as I started working with more insurance agencies, you know, been doing that for 12 years and I flipped seven insurance um, teams, anywhere from 20 to hundred percent increase in revenue. So then I had a small businesses reach out and say, Hey, can you help put systems and metrics into place to help our business grow a little bit more? And usually I'll work with them from anywhere from three to uh, six months and, you know, meet once a week for a half hour, hour, whatever uh, they want to do. Yeah, um, I was. I remember a previous guest that I had on where she was talking about like a, a bootstrapper mentality where you're trying to do everything yourself. Now, let's say you're someone like me, right, um, where I can admit flat out that sales is not my thing. I suck at it. Right. I'm never going to be good. But let's say everyone's not like me. How do you know when it's time to just admit that it's not your thing and bring in someone like you, you know, where you're like the the, the Mariana Rivera of this thing? <laughs> yeah. So you got to, I mean, if you're not hitting your goals, right? Like, it, you know, uh, a good business should have a goal, should have missions. And if you're realizing that, you know, what what's the industry closing ratio for whatever your particular vertical is, you know, maybe industry standards, 10, 15%, and you guys are at eight. Well, why is that, right? There's something happening. Um, if you're, if you're not hitting your quarterly objectives, you need to be able to grow because you're trying to expand into new markets. It's usually, you know, it's always like sales and marketing marketing is going to say, well, sales can't close leads and sales is going to say, well, they're just sending us shit leads. And so it's just getting in there and discerning the difference of really what's happening. Um, Maybe they're not, maybe market isn't hitting the right people, but maybe sales has a broken process. Maybe they don't understand their metrics. Maybe they're not putting enough calls. Maybe they're just using the wrong script. I mean, it could be a lot of different variables. So sometimes getting that outside perspective, especially for small businesses, because to your point, uh, you know, not everybody, like not every entrepreneur, like although they are in sales, they're not going to be good at sales or like sales, right? Maybe they're an engineer. And so they just want to focus on like Musk, you know, he just wants to focus on engineering all day. That's what yeah. he says he spends 80% of his time doing. So you want to bring in a guy like me to help grow the business. And, and um, you can't do that if you don't know anything about it, right? So, yeah. so, so, so you need a sales force. And um, if you're not the guy to teach people how to do that, then you need to bring someone on who can. So you were just talking about uh, land, a website, all right? So you started feel, putting out a feeler to see how mm-hmm. things were going because everyone was asking you for advice, right? Mm-hmm. And you started with a website. I was listening to a recent episode of your podcast where you were t- where your guest actually was talking about a landing page versus a website. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know where you fall on that. Let's say you have limited resources and you're starting a business from scratch. Should you put mm-hmm. that effort into a deep in-depth web page or just a one-pager landing page? I think it, it would be important if you're just starting a business to have a, an actual website. You know, I think it's important for you to have a homepage that right when they land, they know exactly what you're about and what you're offering. But I think it's also important to have a tab about the about you. Like, who are you? What is your mission? What problems are you trying to solve? Um, and for me, you know, it doesn't have to really be much more than that than probably a contact page. So if they want to get into contact with you, but if you've got multiple different product offerings, those should be laid out there. You should put your prices out there. I'm not a fan of people holding back their their prices unless there's some variables, right, and and, and whatnot, like consulting. There could be a variable um, on on what you're doing. So, but a landing page is great if, say, like if you have a, you run a podcast. You don't need to have like a super built out site. 
you know, but it would be really helpful if you had a one page that just had embedded files of all of your stuff that you could drive traffic to, to help grow your presence online. And maybe just like a little guest box where if people are interested in being a guest on your podcast, because they're digging your vibe, they could fill that out and boom, they get a little bit, maybe about who you are. They've got all of your material and then have a way of contacting you. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. So I've always kind of like, you know, I feel like people are, they're, we're getting away from traditional websites, although I do think that they're important and people are more going to landing pages because, you know, as our mentality of wanting just quick information, yeah, people aren't going to sit there and s- s- sift through every tab, right? So if you can get it to them on, on one clean page, uh, I think it's it's highly effective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely agree with that. And what you were just talking about in terms of uh, people not putting the prices up front. I just want to know from your experience how how common you find this in your interactions with clients. For me, if I don't see the price, I'm not buying. I just feel like you're hiding something from me. I'm gonna yeah. you're gonna get me all excited. Let me build up a lather and get all into this thing, go down the funnel, I guess. And then you're right. gonna hit me over the hell yeah, that's gonna be two billion dollars. Bang. You know, so then I just when I don't see a price, I don't care what it is, I'm not even gonna deal. So what have you found is more a more successful approach in, you know with your history putting the putting the price out there out front or holding it back again it's going to depend on the vertical i know i hate giving these types of answers but you know so it's like insurance like i can't give you a price because it's going to depend on like is Derek a good driver you know they're like what kind of car does he have how many miles so i couldn't be like you know that's what's kind of bullshit when you see some type of commercials, we can save you $350. Maybe, you know, maybe you can, you know what I mean? I could have four DUIs. You're not going to give me insurance. So, you know what I mean? You're not going to save me anything. So it's going to depend on what it is, but Hey man, if, if like you're selling cell phone plans or you're, you're selling like, you know, like sunglasses or whatever it is, or external hard drives, like, you know, yeah, it's a hundred dollars. It's $200. You know, it's $300. Um, even, uh, you know, even if you are doing consulting, like my wife, she owns her own business. And so she has packages and she just puts the price on the packages. You know, she's an interior designer. So you work with her for, for five hours, it's 450 bucks. It is what it is. There's no, like, you know, we're not trying to trick anybody, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's just, I, th- I think it, it depends on what you're selling, but I'm more of the, um, of, of in favor of showing the price up front to, to your point. So there's no, be clear and transparent with people. Now, is there a book that you can remember that you read? Just one book that really changed your approach and your mindset towards sales? Yeah, The Challenger Sale um, by Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson. Um, yeah, that that was, uh, I can elaborate on it if you want me to, but that was one that really. No, you don't need to elaborate because if they didn't read it, they'll go read it. Okay, so good. Yeah. All right, cool. And let's talk about your podcast. We're going to start the wind is down, but I want to make sure that people get your podcast because I did get to listen to bits and pieces of a few episodes and there's a lot of good information out there. So tell them about your podcast. Yeah. So the podcast, uh, Grind So Elevate, I started three years ago. It was really a way for me uh, in the last 10 years, you know, I've uh, 10X my income. And so I really wanted to help people that wanted to be good at sales, get better at sales, you know? And so it was kind of like, um, man, here's a way for me to be able to put out info to get to the masses. And so I started the first 95 episodes with me just kind of riffing and talking about different ways to stay motivated or get out of a slump or how to get around a gatekeeper. And as it grew, now I have a lot of guests on that are, or be a specialty guests in certain niches. Like you're talking about like guys that maybe just specialize in conversion or SEO or sales, 
right? Or it could be marketing. It could be international business. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes I go off script. Like last week, I had Desmond Clark on. He used to play for the Bears. Yeah. So, you know, just yeah, yeah, just a little <laughs> different. But he's, he's doing motivational speaking now, and he's got a hell of a story to tell. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a little all over. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 definitely the goal is to provide a lot of insight and value for people. All right. So before we close out, you did mention something in there that I know I forgot to ask about because it's something that gets on my nerves. How in the world do you get around the gatekeeper? Well, that's a great question. Sometimes it's uh, there's a couple of different tactics you could use. Always the first one I always recommend to people is, man, just be friendly. Like so many people don't realize that the gatekeeper is typically an influencer, especially if you're calling the small businesses. It might be, you know, that might be the gatekeeper, might be the owner's wife. Mm. Right. So like, yeah. don't be an asshole. You know, it, it could be uh, the, the owner's son that's answering the phone. Right. So I always take down their name. I have a conversation with them and usually I can extract a lot of information. Hey, when's the best time to catch him? You know, I've called Derek, man, it looks like every week for the last five weeks and he's never in the office, which I can appreciate. He's really busy. That's why I'm trying to get a hold of him. But do you, you know, do you mind Bill, if you could give me the best time to get a hold of him? Yeah, he's usually in his office every day between 8 and 9.30. I really appreciate that, Bill. Thanks so much. I'll give him a call tomorrow between 8 and 9.30, right? Or a lot of times if you're trying to hit like C-level executives, they're usually first one in, last one out. So you call them offline on a direct line or the direct line, the office line gets forwarded right to somebody who's there. Great way to catch them is by coming in early or staying a little bit later. Um, hit them on LinkedIn. Usually those aren't monitored by uh, administrative people like a general email box will be. So those are kind of the, th the three ways that usually will work pretty well to get around the gatekeeper. Okay. Yeah. I've been seeing LinkedIn. I've been hearing that one a lot more. I don't personally use it. Like I have a profile, but I don't touch it, but I have been seeing a lot of people say that that's the thing professionally. That's the way to go right now in terms of yeah. making contacts. Good. Yeah. Job. It's like, it's like Facebook of 2012 right now, as far as organic reach, it's really powerful. Hmm, okay. So are there any other side projects that you're working on that you want people to know about? I appreciate you asking me. Uh, I just actually started another podcast called the book Legion and it's all just uh, 15 minutes or less on book reviews on either spiritual books, sales books, leadership books, wealth books, and health books. So all pillars uh, to help uh, elevate the, the, you know, your quality of your life. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. And where can people go to find, connect with you online, learn more about what you're doing? Uh, I, I'm at Tizer Evans pretty much on all social media platforms. I'm even got a TikTok, although I'm 36, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I don't, I don't do any dancing. So don't get excited. Yeah. Um, or just my website, TizerEvans.com. Okay. And final advice, any final words of advice? You know, my final advice is always lean in to fear. Whatever you're afraid of doing the most, lean in and go all in on that. It's the biggest gut indicator that you're headed in the right direction. And the ego is telling you not to do it. But the more that you can overcome it and lead into fear, man, it, it, it's, uh, it truly is freedom on the other side of that. I know for me, I've had to move four times to have uh, job promotions. And every time it was scary because I was going to a new place, didn't know people, didn't know the job. And every time I've made more money and I've made better friends and had a better quality of life. So I, that's always my message to people. I love that right there. The, the, the progress that's on the other end of that, when you lean into that fear, you actually overcome it. You come out on top. There's nothing like it. Right. hundred percent. All right, Tizer, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been a blast talking to you. Yeah, you too, Derek. Thanks for having me, man. 
You've been listening to the Jaded 80s Baby Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, review, and share the show. New episodes are released weekly. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jaded80sBaby. For business inquiries, email dpfeiffer at jaded80sbaby.com.